0: I am notably a terrible, horrendous driver. I can be cruising down the road and all these things of paint and lines. I don't let them really get in my way. And typically I'll I'll be able to stay on the pavement. I'll hit the rumble strip quite a few times. But I'll stay on the pavement, but I'll just get lost in my thoughts. I'll just be driving down and see any house. It doesn't have to be anything that's catching of the eye. But I'll just see it and I kind of start wondering, well, who, who lived there? I wonder what they did. What was it like to, to grow up in that house? And then, and then I'll go a little bit further down and I'll see a grove of trees and I'll just kind of meander my eyes over that way and look and just go, oh, I wonder if there's any deer in there. I wonder if the deer are moving. And then. I find myself. All I have to do is just, I have this one thing to do, but my mind will just so easily become distracted. And Adam and, and Rachel, my wife, they hate, they hate when I drive and when they're in the car with me. But there was one time, one time, and it was in South Dakota. And there was no distractions whatsoever. And I was just me and the road and Rachel sitting next to me, and I was cruising, and I nailed it. There was no distractions whatsoever in South Dakota. <laughs> so it is, with our Christian lives, we, we have this one thing, just one thing that we are to be doing, but how easy it is. Almost how naturally does it happen that we become distracted or disoriented as we Turn our gaze away from this one thing that we are to be doing. And that is what our text is about. If you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 25 all the way down to 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 down to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we we come to you again, spiritually dry, with our hearts cold. But we know that you supply and you provide, God. So we ask that in this time that you would make yourself known. God, I pray that we would be deeply convicted over our sins, that we would exalt you all the much more, God. I pray that we would leave this time clinging to you and just holding fast to you, knowing that it is you and you alone that can sustain us. God, could you show us your love in this time? Amen. Brief outline of where we're going to be going. Uh, The main idea that we're going to be working under is that we should rest, rest in the provision of God so that you are unrestrained in your pursuit of the kingdom. Rest in the provision of God so that you are unrestrained in your pursuit of the kingdom. We're going to be looking at this in three different areas. One, we're just going to be looking at anxiety in general. things Being anxious in life. We're going to see that there's there's life and there's body, but then there's also food and clothing. And how do we put them in its proper place? That's going to be verse 25. Secondly, we're going to be looking at the provision of God in verses 26 through 30. If he he commands us to do these things, to not be anxious, will he provide? Can we trust him? If we let go and fall into the arms of God, will he catch us? Will he provide? And that's what we're going to be looking at in verses 26 through 30. And then finally, in the, the, the meat of the sermon, we're going to be looking at 31 through 34, which is the pursuit of the kingdom of God. What does it look like as as you, as individuals, or as us, as a church? What does it look like as we pursue the kingdom of God? If we set our anxiety aside and solely focus on the kingdom of God, what does that look like for you and for the church, for our church? Let's go into verse 25 here, being anxious in life. Let's just go back to the text here. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? And the things of this world are good, and they're given to us by a loving, heavenly Father. He has created the sun and the moon and the stars so that we can have pleasure and glorify our Father who has made them. He has given us warm beds. He's given us wonderful food, food, even great clothing that we can wear. Look at Garrison, for example. (laughs) (laughs) But the concern for these things, for the things of this world, they can distract us. They can disorient us and remove any contentment that we might otherwise have. So it is no wonder that time and time again our Messiah has warned us to free ourselves from the entrapments that we find within this world. Just one example we'll look at is the rich young ruler in Luke, Luke 18. He has kept all of the laws, but he was enticed. And he was enticed away by the things of this world. Though he had seen the Messiah... He had kept all the laws, so he knew about the coming Messiah. And he had seen the Messiah face to face, and he threw it all aside. Why? It says, when he heard these things, that he was to give all that he had away to the poor, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. We see in Luke 18. So this desire for the things of this world, the rich young ruler who had it all supposedly from the world's perspective, he cast it all aside, cast the kingdom of God aside so he could hold on to these fleeting things. We see that now, 2,000 years later, and we say, you're foolish. But it's really difficult to see it in our own lives as we live out our days. And there's this, this shift that that happens when we no longer receive these things from God and receive them as gifts from God, but rather they become something that we actually go out and seek. And this is a condition of the fall. So you think of the garden. There's Adam and Eve in the garden, and they have everything they need that's abundantly supplied to them. So they want a mango, they walk over, they take a mango, and they eat it. They want a kale, spinach, Swiss chard smoothie with fruit all mixed in together. It's right there, right for them. The garden is providing for them. And in such a way, God's provision is really, really evident. So you have trees you didn't plant and you're eating of them. And God's provision is very evident. But after the fall, that which they had freely, to eat freely from these trees, except one, they had toil. So that which was free, which now came in toil. You see in Genesis 3, God cursed Adam. And he said, Cursed is the ground because of the you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and whistle thistles, It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. So the means by which God has provided is changed. Garden and post-garden that we now live in. The means by which God has provided is changed. But the fact that God is the provider and sustainer of all things, that has not changed at all. And it was in these moments... That Adam and Eve first chose the good things of God's creation over the Creator. And we do this same thing that Adam and Eve are doing. We are doing the same thing when we are anxious in our lives about the things of this world. So think about it. Why are you anxious? about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body or what you will put on. Why are we anxious about these things of the world? It's because we think we are the ones providing. We really do. And undoubtedly we're the ones working, but we we must see that it is God providing through us and through other people. And so you see, spring is coming and we're, we're now weeks away from being able to break ground and plant and water and work with the soil. But we do all of these things and nurture the seeds and we can do all of the work. But who is the one who makes it grow? God. We can't make it grow. We can do everything we're supposed to do, but we cannot provide. God is the one who is providing still today. So we see this abnormal focus and anxiety upon the things of the world because we think that we are the ones providing. So we get anxious. So we have this focus. And you see the effects of it all. Is that you have lives that are cluttered with these fleeting things of the world. And where do we find ourselves? we still remain at a primitive level. We're just well-groomed cavemen. We're still focused upon these elemental things of food and clothing. And sure, our our food is organic and our clothing is imported. so we, we, we buy into this cultural narrative that we're sophisticated. But if that is where your focus is, if that is where your anxiety is, is upon these things of the world, but well, then you're completely missing out on the things for which you were created. And finally, I just want you to see that you were not created to have lives consumed with worry. So it's in this anxious moment. So we don't often realize that we are to be trusting in the provision of God. So in, in the first century, it's, it's pretty evident why Jesus would be using these examples of food and clothing. That is a daily struggle for them in, in Judea and Galilee within the first century. But what about you? What are you anxious about? We live in a day that has more comfort than generations ago could have even imagined. And yet we also have more anxiety than they would have ever cared for. As a culture, the more we're exposed to everything that happens, the more anxious we become. Don't you, we don't realize that we are living testimonies of God's provision. We, we have not eaten a meal that He has not given to us, yet we are unable to rest in this loving provision from our Father. We have anxiety about our careers. It's not enough that we be able to provide. We want to provide in abundance and in luxury, we're anxious about our children, and we ask ourselves, "Will will they be safe?" And so we insulate them from everything around them, and that's a common response as we see culture decaying around us. And it's it's understandable why you would be considered basically you'd be considered a derelict parent if you would do what was common even a generation ago, of even just sending your kids to the park four blocks away and saying, be home for lunch. That's unconscionable. And it's fine to be wise. But you don't have to be anxious with how you deal with your children. And anxiety, there's also this anxiety about being accepted. And there's some of us that just never leave middle school. And we're always trying to just people please. And our whole life is worried about what other people are thinking. And so what if we do our jobs or how we act, the friends that we have, the cars that we drive, just solely aimed at making other people think what we want them to think. So we're focused on these people rather than the kingdom of God and his glory. We're focused about what they think and our glory. And this... My friends, this is the subtle entrapment for us all. Is that the things of this world, some of them good, they come and they ensnare us and they they blind us and they disorient us. And we begin to live rather mundane lives. Focused upon not 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 life, but focused upon food and not focused upon the body, but rather upon clothing. It's slowly, slowly slowly our affections and our concerns are drawn away from god and his kingdom to ourselves and our own pleasures the main idea that we're 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 wrestling under and we're trying to figure out here is that we are to rest in the provision of god so that you you are are able to pursue the kingdom of God. So we've just seen that we are to not focus and have anxiety about the things of this world, that we are rather to understand that life is much more than food and clothing. And as we focus upon solely food and clothing, that we actually miss out on these things for which we were created. Now we're going to see, as we transition from 26 to 30, we're going to see that as we say, okay, we resolve in our minds, I'm not going to be anxious, I'm going to trust in God. Is he faithful? Will he provide? Let's look at some of these examples that Christ gives us. Verse 26 through 30. Go back to the text here. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. O you of little faith. So we see that the provision of God is abundantly displayed right here in this text. Look at the birds. Are they anxious? No. Do they? They don't have extra food in the refrigerators. They don't have the deep freezers or pantries. No, no, no. What do they have? They have the provision of God and that's enough for them. God provides for them. And will he not also provide for you? So this syllogism here, this this argument is from the lesser to the greater. So if you have a lesser bird here, and God provides for all of them, will he not provide for you who is made in the image of God? Well, certainly, certainly he will. down. Look at the lilies of the field. And it makes this point even more clear. They do nothing, but they passively receive of the goodness of God. And in doing so, they declare the glory of God to all who look upon them. So even Solomon, the greatest of the greats, the wisest and the wealthiest man, even in all of his splendor, he could not compare to a simple lily of the field. So you begin to see that God's provision is not about you. God's provision in your life is not about you, but rather it is about Him. God will care for His creation. He has created it and He will sustain it until He comes again. See the glory of Christ. Look at Colossians 1, verse 17. It says, and he is before Christ, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, not in you and your struggle, your struggling and your toil and your anxiety. But no, but rather in Christ and in Christ alone are all things held together. Also Hebrews 1, Christ, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds. The universe, by the word of his power. How often do we think it's about us? How often do we think that we are the ones sustaining ourselves? But no, friends, it is God and God alone that is sustaining you. So God the Father is sustaining his creation. He created it through the Son. He created through the word he spoke it into existence and also he is sustaining it through his son as well so then we have no doubt that he will also sustain and provide for us look at his people look at israel for 400 years they're in slavery how did they get there one average family god provided for them god sustained them they leave israel or they leave egypt egypt as a massive Nation. They come in as one small, regular family. They leave as a massive nation. And God provides for them for 40 years throughout the desert. Every day they had bread that came. And they had clothes that did not wear out. And even the next generation, as they go into the promised land, God provided for them as well. They had cities they didn't build. And wells they didn't dig. And vineyards that they didn't plant. And God provided for them in a miraculous way. There's also Elijah, the, the prophet. There was neither dew nor rain for three years. We see in 1 Kings 17. And Elijah, he went to the, the east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, it's perhaps it's not the way you would want your food delivered to you by uh, birds, but you see that God provides Nonetheless, for his people. And you also see this with the disciples. Christ, he demonstrates that he is the bread of life. He feeds the 4,000 people, as you see in Mark 8. And Christ does this miraculous thing. They get on the boat and they go back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And what do you think the disciples are talking about? Are they talking about the glory of God and how they should be? Should we, we be worshiping this, this Christ or just giving glory to Father? No, they're not talking about that. What are they worried about? Mark writes, now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf in the boat with it. Skip down to 16. And they began to discuss one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus Christ, moments earlier, had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and a few small fish. They get in the boat. They go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. What is their conversation on the way there? the bread? I don't think we brought bread. We had a lot left over, but we didn't bring it in with us. How do we contend that it's not just the disciples, that it's me, That is you, Throughout our whole lives, God has sustained us. What are we often fixated upon? How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to pay the mortgage or this? God will provide. Don't be foolish with your money, but God will provide. We see in the disciples so much in the narrative of our own lives. We see that Christ is feeds the birds and clothes the lilies of the field. He will certainly feed us and clothe us as well. So how does this change the way then you're able to think and the way that you're able to live? When you realize that God is your sovereign provider, you are able to finally rest. You can rest. And all of the striving and all of the anxiety can be laid to the side when we realize that God is the provider and he does it for his own glory. So it's not conditional upon you, but it's conditional upon him wanting to bring glory to himself. So the anxiety about your children can be laid to the side. We realize that God, he... Loves them more than you do. And I actually, they're, they're his children. He's just simply entrusting them to you for a short time. And so, nothing we can rejoice that nothing will befall our children that is outside of his good and sovereign hand. So, with your children, rest in the sovereign care and provision of your heavenly Father. So we remember that our anxiety, again, remembering that our anxiety is the result of us trying to have direct control of our lives. And we realize that we're limited and we can't do it. The jobs that we have are given to us by God. The food that we have is given to us by God. And when we want to dethrone God and place ourselves on top and have control and be an autonomous in our own lives, rather than submitting to God, well then, that's where there's anxiety. Because you realize you cannot do it. And that's demonstrated time in and time again. But when you rest in God, in His loving provision, whether it be good and great, whether it be abundant or whether it be little, you can rest. And you can rest in God. you and rest in God and not be anxious about your children. You can rest in God and quit the consuming drive to forsake your family and advance your career. You can rest in God and allow Him to change the hearts of people around you. And this is the beautiful thing. For when you rest in God, His provision through you is magnified and glorified. So God is then glorified when He provides through you and when you acknowledge it. But when you hold on tightly and you think that you're the one providing, then you're exalting yourself and diminishing God, and God will not have anything to do with it. Let's transition on. To this last point here, we see again the main idea. Rest in the provision of God so that you are unrestrained in your pursuit of the kingdom. Rest in the provision of God so that you are unrestrained in your pursuit of the kingdom. Verse 25, we saw about this anxiety of life. How often we'll we'll just look aside, look in the grove of trees and see if there's deer. And wonder about that. Rather than focusing upon this one thing that we are to focus upon. We become anxious about these things that God will already take care of. And we know that. But we become distracted and lose focus. And we become anxious about trifling and silly things. That was 25. And then 26 through 30, we see that we can trust God because he has provided. Birds. He has provided for birds. Certainly he will provide for you. You're valuable and made in the image of God. God will sustain you for His glory. Finally, we're going to see how can our lives be different. If we apply this to our lives, what do our lives look like as we don't become anxious about the things of this world or don't focus upon those things, but rather seek first to the kingdom of God? What do our lives look like? For us as a church, what would that look like? Let's go back to the text and read it. Verse 31 through 34. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In your finite and in your limited life, you cannot pursue two things. You cannot pursue two things. You can worry and be anxious about the temporal things of this world, or you can be consumed with heavenly things. The very kingdom of God that Christ was calling people to repent before. You can be consumed with that. So what are we to do? What are we to do? You. What are you to do? The answer is right here. It's right here before us. To not heed these words. Of Christ is to live a life of rebellion against Him. What are we to do? We are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That is what we are commanded to do. There's no other alternative. There's none. This is not a, if you've, if you've got everything else in, in order, if your kids are doing fine, if your career is okay, well then you can, no, 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 no. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's abundantly clear that this changes the way that we think. It should, it must change the way that we think. So all of these decisions that we make must be filtered through this first thing because it must be first. Who am I going to be married? Seek first the kingdom of God. Where will I go to church? Seek first the kingdom of God. What about my my children? How will I educate them? What should I do? Seek first the kingdom of God. All of these decisions are filtered through a kingdom mindset that is set upon Christ and glorifying God and God alone. And seeing His kingdom come down to earth and seeing people that formerly hated Him now worshiping Him as you formerly hated Him are now here to worship Him. So then, what does this look like? What does this kingdom mentality look like for us as a church? It looks like missionaries being trained up and sent out It looks like men and women leaving successful careers so that they can have more time to to minister to others. It looks like you bringing countless meals to each other as we battle this plague of illness that has befallen our church and as we rejoice in the abundance of babies that, that God has given us. It looks like a group of men who never have a day to themselves. They work tirelessly throughout the week. What do they do on Saturday? They wake up early to go to a Bible study. What do they do on Sunday? They wake up early and come serve at the church, get everything set up. Then what do they do Monday? They go back to work. They never have a day for themselves. It looks like a cohort of men and women reading obscure texts and spending countless hours reading thick books to learn more about church history so that we can understand who we are. As a church so what did this what does this look like I want to greatly encourage you it is in our midst it is here and though we are new and though we are small there is a gospel movement among you and that gospel movement is you you are the beautiful feet show me another church that's as gifted as generous of works as tirelessly hard as you guys there is none there is none but let our gaze never be distracted let us never become disoriented by the mundane and the foolish things of this world. But let us keep pressing forward for the prize that is before us. And as the days roll into weeks and the weeks roll into years. You will see. You will see the fruit of all your labor. And you will see the fruit of you seeking first the kingdom of God. And when are you going to see it? When you are with your brothers and sisters forever in rapture and the worship of the Lamb who was slain. So may your life be focused and consumed with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God alone. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need your grace and we need your forgiveness. We It's abundantly clear that we are to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. But how often does it happen, God? I pray that you would give us the grace to to set aside the things of this world. Let us trust in you as, as our provider so that we can, with reckless abandon, run towards you and proclaiming your kingdom. God, could you work that in all of our hearts? So that you would be worshiped and exalted and lifted high. Amen.